0: You're listening to another impactful episode of The Combinate Podcast, the show where we drive for quality and everything, because quality is everything. I'm your host, Subi Sade. I've been working on medical devices, pharmaceuticals, and combination products for the last 10 years, and my goal is to understand. Each week I sit down with leaders to understand and bring together Medtech and biotech in order to examine the roadblocks in development and access we face and bring to light concepts and tools from our industry and others to help address those. Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Accommodate Podcast. I'm your host, Subhi Sadeh. We are joined today by Dr. James Samaru of uh, SOMEX. Uh, he's the founder of Samex. He covers health tech uh, for Forbes as a contributor. Uh, he is the host of the Health Tech Podcast, editor-in-chief of the Health Tech Pigeon, newsletter which which i really like by the way uh he's directed to health tech accelerators and has been called the oprah winfrey of health tech which i thought was hilarious um, who on earth called me that that's outrageous you, you 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 heard it on an interview you may have forgotten because you've oh. done so many but uh i thought i thought it was i thought it was really funny
1: um, loving that loving that yeah <laughs> so uh yeah welcome uh, james thank you for having me pleasure to be here
0: yeah. So, I mean, you've, you, you've, got your, you've got your hand in a few pies right now, and um, I'm, I'm uh, interested to hear about how SOMEX is doing.
1: So my background is that I'm an anesthetics and intensive care doctor. Uh, so I practiced clinically for five years. I've done lots of different things in leadership policy innovation in the NHS in the UK uh, and sort of wider commercial health sector. So I've run a couple of different accelerators, as you said. But yeah, the other side of my life was always more media stuff. So writing for Forbes and the podcast and uh, the newsletter and things like that. And it was, as you say, it was this kind of, after I'd run those accelerators, this, uh, this eureka moment of, hold on a minute, what I'm actually good at here is communication. I've been communicating in various different ways uh, for quite a while with content and, yeah, say so podcast and newsletter and, and all that sort of stuff. But on the other hand startups as well and helping startups through an accelerator and so actually it was the merging of those two worlds that became SOMEX and so um it started very humbly uh with like anything like an up with an idea of just hey in health tech we've grown as an industry uh but there, are, there aren't there are those service companies for health tech. So if you look at something like FinTech, which has grown and has infrastructure and it has investors for FinTech and it has marketing agencies for FinTech and it has recruiters for FinTech and it has all these different things for FinTech, it's sort of the, the knowledge and appreciation that actually health tech has to go in that direction and will go in that direction. And I felt that from, I suppose, the customer side, because I was helping all of these startups through accelerators that were trying to solve the communications and the marketing problem but how on earth can a generic marketing agency or communications agency or PR agency, whatever you want to call it, content marketing agency that specializes across, sector, how, across sectors, how can they really truly tell a health tech founder who is an expert in a specifically niched health tech problem, how can a generic agency solve that problem of telling them how to communicate? It was always the other way around. For all of the founders that I was supporting, it was always, well, we have to. Teach that group for a while about our sector and about what we do and all the thing, and then they kind of watch them deliver. So it was one especially, of those things where, especially that there's also like legal and regulatory restrictions around promotional compliance worldwide, right? right? And they're different. Right. So, right, absolutely. So, yes, you don't want the MHRA on your back in the UK, mm-hmm. you don't want nice on your back in the UK. You and and that's the thing, like, you know, one of the first things that we ask clients is what are your approved claims can we see your intended use statement and all of a sudden they sort of look back and they're like oh you guys know what you're doing that's quite interesting we were going to tell you those things and it's sort of like yeah well because we're purpose built for the sector right so as i say we started very humbly it started with me ringing around a few people that i knew saying hey i've got this idea i'm going to put this company together um i'm gonna i'm gonna help you guys with communications and uh I know sometimes I know you've got an agency, but why don't you try us? Uh, We'll give you a pretty hefty discount. All I want is your feedback as we're doing it. And for a year, just stayed behind the scenes with between four and went up to 10 uh, clients that I was doing that with. And then after a year of doing that behind the scenes, figured out our value, figured out our packages, figured out how we were practically going to do this. The answer being three separate retainers of strategy, content, multimedia content, that is and PR and then selling it and that's kind of how it started and people it was like a pick and mix between those three retainers as each of those retainers had three different levels and we do things slightly differently now but that's how it started and yeah we brought in clients and immediately when you think of you know 10 companies paying between three and seven grand a month all of a sudden you've got a pretty decent business model um and then out of the back of that, you start hiring a few people and you get more confidence, you hire more people, your departments expand. We now have design added as a fourth element of that, which is where we do branding and visual aesthetic stuff. Um, yeah, so th- that's that's kind of how it's gone and it's gone quick. So. 12 13 months now 14 months now since that kind of more official launch we're now um a team of what 10 of us on paye if you count the people in and around in contractors it's 20 odd what does Um, that mean paye so hired people on payroll Ah, um and ftes ftes full-time equivalents exactly and then uh and then the rest the kind of contractors and video videographers animators people that we sort of get on more of a bit part basis um and then we're up to sort of 20 25 if you count them so yeah it's it's gone it's gone quick man but we've solved a problem and i think that's the thing people talk about product market fit and all that kind of thing you know there's always there's always room to grow there's always uh, some, there's always the next thing there's always the fire you're putting out you're always heavily critical on the thing that you've got you know under the magnifying glass which is your own company you know where the holes are and the bits and bobs are to get better and things like that the pitch deck's out of date two minutes after you make it and Mm. all the usual stuff but we're capturing a market opportunity that we have which is being you know particularly in the uk the only health tech specific communications agency that does strategy content and pr and branding and design and so um i feel like it's early days for us all things considered um yeah, and just looking forward to the opportunity that we've got. I mean, it, it's been nice the last few <laughs> the last few months because the proof points have started to pick up, like Pfizer's a client, and you know, big Australian companies. So, like, there's 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 lots of there's lots of different um, there's lots of different proof points behind what behind what we do now. and we do our event series with Google, we've obviously got the podcast and the newsletter Pigeon, which is bringing people in and turning Pigeon into an online publication of its own. So we'll be able to. Um, you know, get the news out in our own way and syndicate through other places. so it's it yeah, it's turning into a <laughs> yeah, bit of a bit of a media conglomerate if I'm gonna be megalomaniac about it, a media empire, yeah. Yeah, a uh, yeah and 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 so um, and so it all started with the podcast, right? It all started with the podcast once upon a time. I think it depends how you look at it, right serving startups started with accelerators and i joined one and then ran that one and then started another one myself and so went on that journey so serving startups has always been part of the dna i guess from that side of things so you could you could argue it started there during that second accelerator was when i started the podcast and that's when i suppose i learned is that a phrase i learned a passion for communicating in that way i kind of grew a passion i suppose is the right phrase for communicating um in that way and learned how to interview certainly but knew that i was good at it and liked it and got good feedback from it and just got better and better at it and so yeah you could say that a lot started from there because that podcast gave me network that podcast gave me the chance to interview someone interesting in health tech and give them an opportunity once a week but as we were talking about off air nobody listened to that podcast for 14 weeks so it's not as if I built any of that network initially it's just that I had set it up to win when nobody was listening so I was winning by just the network I was building the opportunities I was giving those people and it helped me form a tighter knit network I guess of the people that I was adding value to and they were getting feeling value from that kind of thing so yeah there's many much of much of the network effect i guess started started there or at least started in the accelerators again and and was definitely sort of fed by that podcast and then the newsletter came along and it's a different type of network because again something i've learned in in multimedia content is that it's very different people that listen to a podcast that read a newsletter that read long form that watch long form that you know it's a short form it's totally different audiences that you can reach with all of that stuff and so you've really got to be playing in all those arenas if you uh if you want to be capturing as many people as possible with your messaging and all that kind of thing um so yeah it's uh you could argue where it started but certainly the podcast is a fair place to say
0: yeah um so the the, the learned um versus de- you said learned versus developed a passion no learned versus i said grew. grew developed learned is probably a better grew, word grew, <laughs> grew, grew, grew. yeah you you reminded me there's a really good book called uh the art of loving and, and one that one that i uh, it's one of my favorites mm-hmm. uh by a guy named eric Fromm. i don't know if you you've heard of it he's part of the the frankfurt school of, of philosophy but okay um real, real interesting book, and he talks about how you know people think that it's the object that you love hmm. that you know, if I don't love this thing, then it's just the wrong choice of object, so I need to find the right choice of object to love and he 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 thinks of love as an art one that you develop and you know I've heard before like for for me personally, right like i've I've put out a, an episode a week for now fifty weeks um and and i i love this stuff um, but you know people say oh it's so cool that you love it so much that you have a podcast right but i think the the flip right i have a podcast which makes me love it so much yes you know and so yes. that 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 for me is that it's like that you w- when you show up to whether whether it's reading a book or or talking about it or writing an article right that's all a, it's all a um
1: it's all a a, a work to passion yeah, it's Let's not. Do. It, it worked. Passion is a good phrase. It's not. It's certainly not a given that you that you enjoy things. I mean, we've all had to do new things in life, and we've all, you know, I've heard like Jordan Peterson and stuff say that like you have to be the fool in order to become good at something new, and arguably therefore to enjoy it to its maximum, you have to go through the period of being a fool and not being very good at that thing. The only way you're going to get better is to continue being the fool until you are not the fool anymore. I'm learning to play golf at the moment. Uh, A lot of my friends play it. I've never had an interest in it whatsoever. It just seems that with all my injuries at the moment, picking up in tennis, again, not a particularly high-impact sport. However, I seem to be tearing muscles and pulling Achilles and all the rest of it. Play at a decent level is kind of my argument there, but my body is falling apart, let's be honest. Uh, It seems that golf is becoming a good idea, but I am foolish playing golf currently because, like, I'm just not very good at the sport you know and I had I you know, played nine holes with Fred our creative uh director the other day and just played terribly and all the rest of it however I've learned so many new things in my life from snowboarding to skiing to to other sports and to other things like podcasting and all the rest of it I've learned I've been the fool so often now that I'm comfortable in that uncomfortable period I I'm 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 orientated i know where i am learning golf i know that i'm just gonna have to be terrible and a bit embarrassing to myself and others that i'm with until i'm not anymore and and then i'm really gonna get the enjoyment from it you know and i'm just i guess more comfortable now because i've been serially trying new things you know i did like an archery course and just all the stuff i enjoy i enjoy putting myself and having that feeling and sensation of almost being uncomfortable but knowing that if I just stick at this, I know because I've got the data points. I've done so many things before. I know that if I stick at this, it's going to be okay at some point. I'm going to be better. And actually, I'm going to start getting a different type of enjoyment from it because that kind of perverse enjoyment of being bad at it before you're good at it. Again, I kind of enjoy that now and I enjoy that transition. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting yeah. that growing a passion. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like learning to drive.
0: I um I I remember hearing uh, a teacher just talk about how one of one of his favorite things to do is to watch somebody new learn to drive, <laughs> because just the amount of attention they give it, right? Like they're they're turning the wheel really slowly, and you know I I, I find that really interesting. Another, another um teacher that I had, he he ha- he had like grad students and stuff, mm. and I would see him like sometimes come to when his grad students would give a class. And mm-hmm. he would just be in the back taking notes, like, mm-hmm. like literally taking more notes than any student in the class, right? And he's the professor who's advising the student. And I just, uh, I, I think stuff like that is really cool because there's like this idea that for for you to become a master, you have to be the master beginner kind of thing. So it's, uh, yeah, that's that's really cool. So we we were talking about you, you know, you were talking about the different forms of content, and and I'm I'm wondering for you personally, right? Because I'm always interested in this for people who actually create content like what kind of what kind of content are you into long form short you i've heard you say in interviews by the way that like you uh as soon as the new platform comes out right like i'm on it you know oh, i'm on I heard, it yeah yeah i'm, I'm not like that
1: I, actually, I might not be creating on it by the way for anyone that's going to try and find me on tiktok uh, yeah i'm not necessarily not necessarily creating i made one for my dog and played around with it on that so uh, that's, that's, really how, that's how i kind of learned learned tiktok but yeah by the way i think that is incredibly important i think if you're in this game uh you've got to be on top of things. you know particularly for us you know we're we're in this game for clients we have clients that when clubhouse comes out we need a presence on because we want to give our clients that benefit and so actually we need to know that it's coming out we need to know what the capabilities of it are we need to know exactly how to play on it and so that we can give people that opportunity and that gives us that value as well and that's our advantage being a boutique agency over a very large multinational conglomerate is that we have that agility and speed and ability to do that stuff, which is where our advantage is. And so, yes, that becomes extremely important, but to your, to your question around w- what types of content do I play in? It's a, re- it's a really good question because there's, there's personally, and there's again, what we do for everybody as SOMEX, but I, I suppose personally I interestingly took a break from recording podcast obviously long form audio um I've I stopped for months six months um something because I was approaching 300 300 episodes and frankly I just got sick of the sound of my own voice I was just a bit tired and at the same time I was in the throes of building SOMEX proper like in a real kind of fast phase of growth that just needed a bit more focus and Whilst the podcast, you could argue, is just an hour a week, it's probably not just an hour a week when you consider the preparation and you know we talked about it off air, like, you know, the active listening that's actually required during a podcast episode to make sure that you are really capturing all of the value in that conversation it can be draining and so there's always a buffer for me between podcasts of you know half an hour to an hour before and afterwards because actually I want to make sure that I'm not clock watching towards the end of the interview there's all that sort of stuff that I think is extremely important to consider and I just didn't have the headspace for a few months and so long form audio is something that obviously I'm in with the podcast uh it's just that again not to the detriment of other priorities that can take over it so often if people think of me as like the health tech podcast guy or whatever like yes but it's also I am okay just to not judge thing. yourself yeah I am and not also that I am yeah i'm not, yeah, yeah. not just that yeah quite <laughs> well this is where health tech pigeon started right so here's the other one so yeah um in health tech i used to get rock health's newsletter week uh rock weekly right and i thought it was brilliant rock health i thought it was so good yeah rock health's weekly digest uh, i think it's called rock weekly uh still um i thought it was brilliant it was so to the point as in like it summarized the weekly news just in uh just in the shortest format possible it would just put the headline as a link with a slight bit of blurb afterwards like no more than half a sentence and then just a list of who's raised money and it, it again just one line is not even a few words and i just thought for busy people in health tech that's quality like that is that is absolutely what everybody wants and needs and there's no wonder that that is doing so well and i thought look for the uk there just isn't this there just isn't this stuff that covers uk stuff and and so it started there with thinking, like, there has to be a newsletter. I've got a decent network on LinkedIn and through the podcast and stuff. Like we, I could put a newsletter out to get a few subscribers. Like, we could just see how it goes and iterate it. And that's where Health Tech Pigeon started. It started with a really simple rundown of the news, five news stories, uh, a couple of podcasts to listen to, and jobs opportunities that I'd seen. And it was just a summary. So through the week, I would just note what I was reading, what I found interesting, what jobs I saw uh what podcasts i listen to and it would just be five news stories two podcasts and one to three jobs and that's just how it started it just turns out that that seems to be a really good format that everybody finds value from and again we've just picked up this kind of really nice like over two years a slow kind of exponential curve of growth um that we're picking up what 200 250 extra readers a month um at the minute we're at about we're at 2500 odd subscribers um but again, like, yeah, I just enjoy that kind of short form. But I suppose the, the the additional bit of that is, it doesn't have not have to be boring. And so I wanted something that I would read myself and it had to be short is number one. And number two, could it be entertaining? Could it be interesting? Could it be funny? And that was the experiment of could you make a regulated industry funny and amusing. And it turns out, you can and we do and we did and you know we're close to the wire probably sometimes of the bit, and we're dicing in and around there waiting for the first person to complain about a joke or something but it's so light-hearted that i would say most interactions i have with people now i'm more known as oh right yeah you do pigeon uh oh i subscribe to health tech pigeon or like oh you're the one that does health tech pigeon so it's health tech pigeon seems to be this really kind of uh like pressure release valve on health tech content in general particularly in the uk of of just like oh finally there's a newsletter i actually open every week you know and our open rates are like 90 odd percent for it so like and we're not forcing it down anyone's throat so don't advertise it anywhere it's just picked up that growth from people just sharing it i imagine and again though like I'm reading this stuff anyway, if it's useful to people, I'll stick in a newsletter and put it out. Right. I, I win when nobody's reading. Yeah. Um, and
0: I think, I think the, the, you know, building up the, the muscle memory of uh, just continuing, you, you mentioned the 14 weeks of zero listeners, mm-hmm. right? Like it really makes you kind of not care mm-hmm. uh, and just do, just do the, the, the article or the thing that you want. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. Are, are you you know you're just talking about the UK are you primarily focused on the UK?
1: Well, primarily yes I would say I mean our, our knowledge of UK markets is is huge everyone in our team uh is in and around health health tech has been a clinician like ev- everyone in our team is the whole thing's purpose built for health tech and we're all from the UK so obviously there's a fin- an affinity there however we ha- we are now picking up clients that are more international simply because they've either got a focus on the uk or our uk clients are now scaling internationally and so there has been a need for us to put boots in the ground in the us and in europe and stuff like that so we're so we're definitely we're definitely getting there with a more international approach that's not to say we're going to open up a new york office tomorrow and a this office tomorrow like we're not there because I think again, like you can misrepresent yourself and pretend that you can service all these different clients. You you can't. Like we realistically we have a UK focus right now, but our ambitions are are greater than that. And we are helping people that are doing things differently that we feel that we can do. So case by case with international stuff at the moment. Um, but yeah, certainly we're on that path. Primarily UK. So yeah. you 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 write help tech pigeon and substack, right? Correct. Yeah, it's on Substack. What's that been like? And Henry technically writes it in our team. Ah, <laughs> he writes most of them. And Sharon while Henry's away. But yes, it's a, t- it's a team approach. We'll all find the news and share it with each other and chat about it and stuff. And then, yeah, Henry and Sharon and Onzo are writing. What, uh, what's, what's writing on Substack been like? Really good. Um, really straightforward uh, as a platform. I've just found it just really useful and great. Like, again, like it just appeals to my... Desire for just simplicity and just f- utility over, uh, I suppose, polish or anything like the. the it doesn't. There's no f- graphics and blah blah blah. You can stick a meme in, you can stick a, a gif in, all that sort of stuff. So it's it's really predicated on the value of what you write because it's just so focused on the on the words because it's just such a simple platform, which is why I think it works for us. Um, so yeah. So what one thing that, that I'm
0: hearing from you that I really like is, you know, you just kind of are outside of client work, right? That's not mm-hmm. what we're talking about. But like the content that you make for you is content that you would, you would like to see. And um, I, I'm kind of like that. And mm-hmm. uh, I was just wondering, why don't you do like video podcasting? Cause uh I I don't and I don't plan on ever doing it because I personally feel like it it's just a headache. And I basically never I never listen to video podcasts ever. Mm-hmm. Um and so which makes me feel like nobody does, which is for sure wrong, right? Cause um people do. Uh I just I know I know some people who do video podcasts and it like 10x is the time spent on yeah. So I just I was wondering about that since we're talking about yeah. It's what... a
1: good. It's a great. It's a great question, and I think there's probably there's probably a few there's probably a few reasons really. Um, it's, there's a mixture of my dog, growling and next door drilling. So apologies if you're getting any uh, background noise. It's basically uh, none. Fine. So I think. When it comes it's to... It's so funny, video- you
0: know, I'll have I'll have like a lawnmower outside and, <laughs> and my baby throwing a temper tantrum and I'll be like, yeah, sorry about the background noise.
1: It's like, we can't hear anything. Fine. And I'm like, yeah. how? <laughs> how? <laughs> yeah, it's quite loud for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, why not video podcasting? So I think when it comes to video podcasting, oh. really in my mind, I know Spotify are moving to it, aren't they? Spotify are going to be... Or they already have. Like it, it's going to be, it's going to be a big deal on on Spotify. I know that Anchor, the platform that you can publish straight to Spotify, on are, are, are going to put that functionality and stuff. So I think it it's it's just not the way I've always done it. First of all, and I know that's no reason not to try something new. And believe me, like I could easily just flip all the videos into and just stick them on YouTube and see what happens. But I think I've got I've got an internal nature that I like to, I like quality and I like, I like focused quality. And I think for me to stick the things on YouTube, I'd want to make sure that the production quality was high enough. And like, I'd probably want to record it on a DS on a DSLR and get a good angle on me and like a good frame and that sort of stuff. And I'd probably just have to work it slightly differently because one thing I did actually consider with this latest episode of my podcast, I did actually consider getting it, getting it batch recorded in person almost like a Stephen Bartlett type in the UK, if you've seen that one, but like that kind of thing anyway. What does um, that mean? That, so that Stephen recorded. Bartlett's just somebody, he just records it in his house. He's got a very nice house after his exits and stuff, but um, something along that, along those lines, two people sat around a table and recorded professionally. Uh, that's the way I'd like to do a video one if I was going to do it and, and make it more interesting from that perspective. I just don't, I don't know what it is I just don't I don't know a lot of the health tech community that live on YouTube I'm not feeling a pull from the market to put my stuff on YouTube and to do it that way I'm just not feeling that that need and so it's just an extra few steps that I need to put in we could easily do it obviously it's not a huge not a huge deal for us but I think as it stands things are working things are great I don't need to do it I don't feel the point if I thought for one second that it would massively change the game yeah i'd do it in a heartbeat but and it you know may well be that indy or jared listening is just like we should actually do this james let's just do it in which case i'll do it but yeah no great reason other than i haven't felt the pull from the market to do it i guess
0: yeah it's 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 always really interesting because you're you're, i feel like life generally speaking is in between you know fix it when it's not broken Mm -hmm. or fix it when it is broken right and you know i was talking to this guy who's a a quality guru, like, uh, one of the living ones. And he was just like the time to fix it is when it's not broken. Mm -hmm. And yes, that's true for a production process, but, um, you know, maybe not, maybe not for everything. Mm. Um, so I, I wanted to know since, since, you know, you, you, you started off as a doctor, which means that you, you have good study habits. I've heard you say you're not a good, uh, you're not, you, you weren't like the most interested student in, in the subject. Right. But, um, I feel like if, 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 if you got through, you were a good student. Um, but I'm wondering now that you have like a bunch of, a bunch of things going on, you know, you have, you have some X, you have your podcast you have the the health tech pigeon and, and you're sort of de- delegating in that, but how do you, how do you prioritize now that you have
1: a few things going on? Yeah. I think how does, how does anyone that runs a business prioritize you sort of, you see what's on fire first and you try and put those things out and then you see where there's opportunity and where you think you could be gaining more opportunity and you go to those things first. Um And then you cycle back to step one, (laughs) pretty much. Um, I think it's that. I think it's an interesting question as it sort of pertains to recent times with putting the podcast on hold. That was an example of prioritizing. That was an example of prioritizing the most amount of headspace possible for the appropriate fast growth of SOMEX. And therefore the podcast got put on hold. Um, It's also a case for, you mentioned the word delegating. I'll raise you putting in processes that mean that you can add what you need to add scalably as well. And that's what's been good with Pigeon in that Pigeon is not a complex process. Pigeon is three of us sharing articles throughout the week that you're already reading anyways. That we're already reading anyways. And then that funneling into a substr- a substack draft template that's already there. And then Henry going in who enjoys writing comedically. So he enjoys that. So it always gets done because he enjoys it. It's not going to be pushed. So it's, it's a mixture of those things. And I think where, if I was to feel friction at any one of those points, I would... I would address that head on and figure out the problem for where the friction is and why, and then make sure that that is then an efficient process that needs very little of my time. It's the same with the podcast, because with the podcast now, there's an online form for people to apply that goes into HubSpot. Indy and our team will look at that form and prioritize who she thinks the best guests will be or the ones that I want, blah, blah, blah. I'll then take one look at it. And give her the green light that they then get sent a different form, which fills out their description of their episode for uh, the show notes that they do themselves. It gives me the intro to the episode when I meet them as well. I just read that out. And so for me personally, for the podcast now, in terms of my time outlay, it's looking at that form to see who I want. And then it's turning up on the day, opening the HubSpot form, which has got their intro, reading the intro and having a chat so again it's putting a system in place that allows me to essentially do the bit that i need to do and only the bit that i can do and then making sure that rest is, the rest is delegated that's that's part of the way to avoid fatigue i think as well because if you're caught up in the weeds of the stuff you don't necessarily need to be doing and by the way like i've i'm not precious about this from day one like i did everything from day one those 14 weeks when nobody was listening I literally did everything i'm like begging people to come sending emails and replying to them and trying to find time i'm recording and then re-recording when i've messed something up and like there's there's all of these different things that that is the 300 episodes later you can be a bit fancier and try and get other people to do it if you if you've got a business behind you and stuff and or you've monetized in some way with sponsorship whatever it is and you can put that towards that but yeah it's that it's it's i think it's it's putting in the process to make sure your are out your outlay is is just what you can do what you want to do what you enjoy optimizing for what you enjoy my god like that's so important um but beyond that in terms of priorities yeah once you've got that stuff down you can then just go right what do i need to prioritize and what's on fire where's the most opportunity let's do that those two in that order and then back to square one um
0: yeah, my um my my wife uh has done a lot of work with HubSpot and 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 she, she thinks especially from a marketing point of view, inbound mm-hmm. outbound, it's like unbelievably helpful. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard it used in the application that you said, but it's uh it's really cool um that that you're using it in that way. Any any other tools that you use?
1: Um I used to use a fair amount, but to be honest, for the pod, for, for managing the podcast right now, that's yeah. Those are the main ones. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's, it's HubSpot. It allows people to, yeah. One, one form to apply another form once you're confirmed as a guest and yeah, literally they just fill in all their information and that's exact information just gets copied and pasted into the publishing platform. And that's, that's the whole thing done. <laughs> um, yeah. Just saves all the back and forth.
0: Have you, have you, have you toyed with um, doing episodes by yourself? Solo? Um,
1: or is it no. all interviews? No, no, I've not it's all. It's all interviews, and I think I've done a couple, and they're okay. um, they're, Have they're you all... found them.
0: Um, more preparation, um, yeah. but really fun. Okay, I mean, truly, like really, really fun. Nice because because especially if it's if it's a subject that you you enjoy talking about, then you know. Yes, it's more prep, but it's like I, you know, when, when you do an interview, I feel like it's a little bit different in that it's a conversation. You're recording mm-hmm. it and um it's it's more about, you know, how do I extract, mm-hmm. you know, some some uh elements of wisdom from from this person, learn their experience in that. When it's you're producing something on your one of my favorite podcasts actually is called um Philosophize This.
1: Oh yeah. You've heard of it? Yeah, one half, one half I, l-
0: I love it. And you can tell every week that that uh, the guy, Stephen West, he puts mm. in time to, mm. you know, he's witty, he's funny, you know, well put together. He tells it in a way that's linear, but doesn't really sound linear. Mm. And, you know, uh, and it's only like 20 minutes long. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was just wondering if, if you've ever if you've ever thought about that. Um, OK, so uh, as we as we close here, um, what's a book that changed your
1: life? Uh, how Google works? How Google works? Yeah, that the four-hour work week is the classic one. That that really did change things for me. Like genuinely, like a stepwise change in mentality of how you could actually live your life working. Um, yeah, what, really... what
0: about what about
1: the four-hour work week? Um, it was just a ch- an utter an utter change in framework in my mind that work is something done to you versus work is actually something that you can control and set up uh passive income as a, as a philosophy, I guess. And we can, we can debate whether passive income actually exists, but it's more, I think, I think passive income is often called passive income because actually the, the it's, it's only passive because you actually just enjoy the bits and bobs of work in inverted commas. And for me, like thinking like, you set up this little business that does this thing and like that just pays you money. Like, yeah. Okay. It's worked in the thing, but it's not actually works. I I would actually enjoy that stuff, you know? And so it just taught me this thing of like, you know, I, I'm in, I'm in matter. In fact, I bought the four hour work week. Actually. I was in my third year of being a doctor. I'd actually just come back from uh, Southeast Asia on like a four week holiday. Um, and I bought it in the airport. And really, I remember, yeah, I remember because my mind was freed at that point. Um, because I was, yeah, I was locuming, so I I was I was contracting as a doctor, so I could take these extended time time off and stuff. And yeah, I remember just getting that getting that book on the way back, just thinking like, yeah, okay, let's 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 see what this is about. This sounds cool. Like I want a four hour work week. Obviously, the re- one of the reasons it is so well was the title. Um, and yeah, just it utterly changed the game for me because I'd gone from this framework of being in medicine to being like, hold on a moment, there is there's a different way here. There's a different There's a different way of doing things. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad actually very, very soon after that. Um, In fact, the next book I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad after that. And again, that solidified a lot of that framework type stuff. But then practically the book that I've most enjoyed, I think, as well as being quite formative in the way that I've done things is how Google works. And actually when you're building a company of humans and services and that kind of thing, how Google works is, is a lot of practicality around how they built teams, how they hired. And it really is a stunning book for practical information that you can genuinely take forward. And yes, Google is an absolute behemoth company. And ours is just, you know, 10, 20 people playing around in content. But at the end of the day, a lot of those principles are transferable and and modern, modern business and modern leadership and things like that. I think you, you can, you know, chapters on like smart creatives and what questions you should ask in interviews it it can be like you you can take it quite granularly in terms of the advice it gives you it was really just really entertaining for me and, and interesting for me as well as being practically very useful
0: yeah so that, that's that's cool you 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 went on holiday and and you were basically an empty vessel uh ba- banged through a four hour work week rich dad poor dad and uh it set
1: you on your way that's cool Yeah and then what... you know zero to one peter Thiel, like, all of the usual kind of the 100 dollar startup as well uh Yeah. Those are those initial books that I just read one after the other. And I was just like, this is now going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. Just kind of this unrelenting momentum after reading all of that stuff. That's awesome.
0: What is something you're excited about?
1: Um, What's something I'm excited about? Uh, There's a few ways to answer this question, but I'm excited. I'm excited actually for health tech pigeon. I'm excited for that brand. Um, We've just launched the Health Tech Pigeon podcast. I say just launched a few weeks now, but we've just launched the Health Tech Pigeon podcast where you can listen to me, Henry and Jess and our team. or Jess, co-founder of SOMX. Um, Yeah, just talking about the weekly news and again, just trying to put a funny spin on it and actually just enjoy ourselves on a podcast. So we're expanding the brand in that way, but we're also expanding Health Tech Pigeon into being an online magazine. So it will be a place to get practical information as a health tech company as a health tech startup as a health tech founder as a future founder as a whatever you want to be but there's going to be really useful stuff on there as well as it's going to have that pigeon tone which is just you know i actually want to read this stuff it's going to look beautiful because we're going to get fred our creative director designing that um it's going to have funny pigeons doing funny things on it as well as being just genuinely really useful uh so i'm super excited for that in the space
0: yeah, um, uh, we're we're at time, but I uh, my my daughter has this book called "Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus." Excellent, and 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 the pigeon looks very similar to your pigeon. Excellent, excellent. Do you know what I'm, ta- you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. it's great. It's great. It's one of I said this the other day. It's probably it definitely is the best marketing decision I've ever made calling health tech pigeon health tech pigeon but it might arguably be the best business decision i've ever made (laughs) health Health tech pigeon uh we went to an event last night and um uh someone from a very 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 large agency came over and uh asked what we did and said you know we're a small agency in this space and you know a potential acquirer let's just say um and uh the conversation went fine then one of his juniors came over and said you do realize this is the guy that writes health tech pigeon and uh said big agency person was then very interested to speak to us so like it's uh it's clearly a brand that's doing something in the space um so yeah it's super exciting one it's that, fun to that, be part of as well
0: yeah that's 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 really cool well james samara everybody thanks for coming on uh i really enjoyed talking to you Ben.
1: pleasure to be here thank you for having me